also lowers our receptivity to dopamine, serotonin, and GABA. So these are neurotransmitters that are supposed to make us happy. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Police podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and it is very early morning. We are going to Kansas for the Thanksgiving week that's next week, so we're making the drive from Denver to Kansas City, which is like eight and a half hours. So I'm getting up early so I can record this intro and then edit on our drive there. This week's episode is about a topic that I have been thinking about for a long time, have been really working through myself and and really like figuring out what my boundaries are, what I feel comfortable with and what makes me feel good. And that is the topic of alcohol and our relationship with alcohol. Taylor and I have for sure been having conversations about this very recently, um, just kind of talking through what's working and what's not. And is it really serving us in the way that we want it to? Are we feeling good about how we use alcohol? Sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is no. So I am personally am not totally alcohol free but I have significantly cut down what I consume since my like early 20s. Like drastically I don't drink nearly at all anymore. Even when we went to Vegas I did not drink as much as I would have several years ago And we even went to like a work trip a month before and I realized that I drank more on that trip than I did in Vegas. And that's because I realized how bad it made me feel on that work trip and I scaled it back a little. So I, so when we went to Vegas, we went for Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. So three nights total. And the first night, everyone was so excited and we were just meeting up with everybody. So that was the night that I drank the most because I was just excited and happy to be there and I was feeling so fresh. So we ended up going to dinner really late. Our dinner was like three hours long and it didn't start until nine. We went to Chino Poblano in the Cosmopolitan. If you've not been there, definitely go. There's like a famous chef that works there I found out Um, and the food is amazing. But started there and I had like two pomegranate margaritas I believe. And then from there we left dinner at 11. And then we went back up to our hotel rooms for a little bit and we're just like hanging out and getting ready before we were going to go out to one of the clubs. So I skipped a drink in between dinner and going out because I just didn't feel like I needed it. And um, that's what I chose to do. So then we went to the club and then I think I had three drinks there between 11 or no we didn't get there at 11 we got there at like 12 30 in the morning and then we didn't leave until three so I had like one drink per hour while we were there so three drinks total so in the whole night I had five drinks and I woke up feeling like a trash monster (laughs) I felt so sick I was very hungover and it took me the entire day to even feel somewhat normal and that was after like not, I mean, I would say five drinks is a lot, but I know people drink more than that. And I have definitely drinking more than that in the past. So the next day we go to uh, RuPaul's Drag Brunch and they have like unlimited mimosas. I think I had probably like two mimosas total. And that was all I had for the entire day. So I did not drink the rest of the day. I did not drink the rest of the night. And then the next day on Sunday, we had a pool day. So we had cabanas and we were hanging out at the pool all day. We got there at like 10 a.m. and we didn't leave until 4 p.m. And we had the 
opportunity to order like as much alcohol as we wanted and I had and I had two Mai Tais the entire day and that's it and I did not drink that night so really after the first night I scaled it back so much and was having like the minimum just to like taste the drinks that were around me but I just really felt like I didn't want to drink and it wasn't making me feel good and then when I flew home on Monday morning I was feeling totally normal and I mean obviously exhausted and just tired from the weekend but I I didn't feel like I had so much like alcohol to process in my system that was making me feel sick so this is just an ongoing topic that we're having at our house to really just evaluate what is our comfort level with alcohol and just making sure that we are in control of that decision because that's what feels good to us. So anyway, that is what this whole conversation on the podcast is about today. We have Carolina on the podcast and she has written a book about this exact topic. She recognized a few years back that she was not happy with the way alcohol was making her feel and she found out that it was really holding her back from some of these other goals and ambitions that she had in her life. And she wrote a book about it, and it's coming out in January. It's going to be in Target. And I love this conversation. She's really transparent about her experience and really what's helped her. And I think it's just a healthy conversation to have, a little checkpoint to really see how we're doing with alcohol, who's really in charge of that relationship. Is it the alcohol or is it us? You know, we're going into a holiday week. If you're here in the United States, Thanksgiving is this week on Thursday. And it's an alcohol holiday. So think about it. Not to say like you shouldn't drink this holiday or whatever, but maybe just notice how it's making you feel if it's something that you're happy with. If you wake up kind of hungover on Friday and you're like, wow, that was such a great time. I had so much fun. I'm glad that I did that. Then that's amazing. I've had nights like that. I've had days like that. And I like to be in the moment. I like to enjoy my time with people around me. And sometimes that includes alcohol. But also notice if you wake up or if you wish that you didn't have another drink or if you wish that you didn't drink at all or are curious about what it would feel like to reduce or cut alcohol out of your life completely, it's pretty timely to think about that because holidays are a big like alcohol time. All right, you know what I'm going to ask for. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave a review. If you are not following me at the Tea Please Podcast on Instagram and seeing my stories, go ahead and do that so you see my stories and DM me. I'd love to interact with you. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. And what else can I ask you for? Click follow wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. We are near the end of season two of the podcast, so I am going to have to take another break to regroup. I'm getting a little burnt out if I do say so myself. (laughs) So I am going to take a break here in probably mid-December. So we have a few episodes of interviews left and I might continue the solos. But anyway, click follow so you never miss an episode. I'm sorry if I'm talking too fast. I've gotten that feedback before, but I'm trying to get out the door so we can get to Kansas at a decent hour. Um, Here we go. Let's get into it with Carolina. I've made some, some choices personally to cut back on alcohol. I've not taken like a clean defined break from drinking or or alcohol intentionally, but I've cut it back way much, just noticing how it affects my mental health and just really wanting to feel good. And I know this is like what you're all about right now and you have a book coming out and you're really helping people question their relationship with alcohol. So I feel like there's got to be a backstory. 
Where does this passion come from on your end? Uh, Thank you so much, Sarah. And I think it's like one of the most literally wisest and intuitive things we can do to question our relationships with alcohol because otherwise it just becomes this unconscious habit, you know, and it can be an outdated relationship. So personally, uh, you know, I, I drank pretty heavily in college and grad school. I partied a lot. I went out a lot. And it's ironic because when you think about it, a lot of us are initiated into drinking when we're fairly young. We're teenagers, maybe in high school, maybe college, maybe right after college, you know? And so then what ends up happening is we kind of take those habits. We might kind of tame them down as we get older, but there's still these habits we form when we're like, and so that's kind of where I was. I I drank like really heavily and um, was partying a lot in college and grad school. And then really similar to you, I got into um, a healthy lifestyle. I got into mindfulness. I really wanted to feel my best mentally and physically. And so what I did is I started reserving drinking only for the weekend, right? So I would live this very healthy lifestyle during the week. I would work out, I'd drink my green juice, I'd try to meditate, and then come the weekend, in these very normal events, you know, going out with my friends for dinner, or maybe a sushi night, or a game night, or going to the brewery with some friends, or Netflix and wine at home, that's kind of how my drinking looked. And so, basically, I had strived so hard to try to make it smaller in my life, you know? Drink less, drink less, drink less. And for me, that actually brought a lot of internal stress because sometimes I'd have this intention like, oh, I'm not going to drink tonight or I'm only going to have one or two. And I would break my promise. I'd break my rule, you know. Um, And then I would wake up not only feeling the physical effects of alcohol, feeling kind of negative physically, but also this internal kind of shame, this sense of like, oh, you know, I broke a promise to myself again. I can't even trust myself, you know. Sometimes I I only did it a little bit, right? Like I said, I'd only have one and I'd have two. And sometimes it was like a zillion at a party, you know what I mean? And I really like was dying of shame the next day. And so I kept living this cycle, honestly, for years and years and years and years and years. And it really took up so much space in my mind. Like this, should I, shouldn't I not? You know, like I have a presentation tomorrow. I probably shouldn't, but then my friends invited me out. What are they going to think if I don't order a drink? Like just this chatter was taking up so much space. And I finally decided, I mean, before I decided that, I was then curious about kind of alcohol and started looking into like books and just things about it. And at first, all I was finding is really these hard drinking stories of people hitting rock bottom and then going to AA and being really like alcoholics in that traditional sense. And, you know, it's like refreshing to read about someone finally talking about alcohol because it's just like this weird topic we don't really share a lot about with our friends. But at the same time, I was like, no, 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 that's not my story. I'm not drinking like that. You know, it's nothing like that, you know, and and I was kind of really Mm -hmm. scared of being labeled. But finally, I heard of Dry January and it's this um, phenomenon where people take a, a break for the month of January. And I was like, okay. I can do that. And also it's like a it's like a health challenge, right? Like it doesn't have to signal to anyone that I have a problem or something. And so I did dry January and I kind of slowly just fell in love with this alcohol-free lifestyle and living. Um, I went back to drinking in February just because I was like, well, I still have the social events. I still have, you know, these things. Yeah. I, I can't just quit. But then I really didn't enjoy it. I really like felt my mood go down. I felt my sleep really deteriorating. So I decided to take another break from that that point on, which kind of led to today. Like I haven't looked back since. And I just had the most incredible experiences that first year alcohol-free and continue to have, but my health improved a lot. I lost 51 points off my cholesterol. 
I started sleeping better, had all this energy, but even more importantly is this like Achilles heel I had and that chatter, like it all went away. And so instead I was able to use this newfound confidence of like, wow, I'm actually doing it. Like every day I'm doing the thing I said I would do, you know, uh, to really start creating more space in my life for what I wanted. And for me, that looked like launching a business, writing a book. Uh, I ran a half marathon that year. So it was almost like I was letting go of something that just brought me stress and this internal chatter. And then with that empty space, I was able to harness this like deeper um, connection with my intuition to really kind of go after the dreams I had on my heart that I put on the back burner before. That's kind of my story in a nutshell. Yes, I love it. Well, thank you for walking us through just the different stages because I think it's something a lot of people can resonate with, especially in the U.S. I feel like our culture around alcohol is just like, why, why, why is it like that? Why are we not like talking about it at all until we're 21 and then making people take 21 shots? That was like our tradition in college, taking 21 shots on your 21st birthday. Terrible idea. And that just carries on through life unless you like figure something else out. Because I think kind of going back to what you said originally, where college is where we're really like introduced and it's very common. No one bats an eye when you said like, yeah, I partied a lot in college, drank so much, like it was crazy. Everyone's like, yeah, same. <laughs> you know, it's not something that we think about. And it's such a time where you're building your foundation of like adulthood, which I think is really interesting and challenging with drinking because it's a coping mechanism that we learn in college and something that's really hard to let go of. It's great to hear that it's being talked about in a different lens where it's not necessarily like quote unquote alcoholism, but it's maybe something that's holding you back. And there can be other habits that are doing that in a different way. But I think alcohol is really interesting because it is physical and mental. Like scientifically, it's affecting your body and your brain. And it also like literally knocks you out. <laughs> like the next day, I don't know about you, but if I have like four or five drinks, like I'm done. I'm not productive the next day. I can't be. And it physically is holding me back. Oh my God. I got to a point where even one or two drinks would make me feel like I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And so I was like, what's the point? You know, if I can't even have one. Yeah. Well, it doesn't get any easier when you're older. <laughs> I'm with you on those like one to two drink limits nowadays. So it's been, how long has it been since you've been like totally alcohol free? So it's been about four years. And you know, like something really cool happened is that during that time, it wasn't just like, okay, I'm just going to not drink, you know? What I really did is I wanted to understand like what was the sociology and psychology to have gotten me to be a drinker in the first place and like mm -hmm. why did I come to associate all these benefits with it? And so really what I was doing is a deep dive into my own personal growth and kind of things that shaped me and looking at the beliefs I had formed up until that point. And what's really cool about that is like, so, you know, what do I mean by that? I wanted to jump in because you said um, the benefits of it, like what what did you think you were getting out of it that was like adding to your life, like social situations? But I'm curious, like what else you thought you, you were gaining from this habit? Yeah. And these are, I have to say, this wasn't like an intellectual thing. Like this wasn't even consciously, I would have said like, uh, I don't know, not much, you know, yeah. but subconsciously, like we, we do things for a reason. If we, even if we don't understand them subconsciously, we think we get benefits from them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, lots of bad habits fall into that. For one thing, I was an inch, I'm an introvert and I was pretty shy growing up. So like when I first started drinking as a teenager, it was like, oh, it's a magical elixir. It turns me into an extrovert. I can, you know, be talkative and stuff like that. And by the time I was 30, when I, when I took this break, you know, that turned into 
to, to where I am today, like, I never went back to revisit, like, are all those things still true? Am I still this, like, insecure woman who really can't be comfortable in my skin without a drink, you know? And I have to, I had to realize that every time I, I thought I needed a drink when I was socializing, I was kind of telling my subconscious, like, nope, you're not good enough on your own. You're not likable. People don't want to talk to you. You have to have a drink in order to be interesting. And I was like, wait a minute, like, that's so disempowering. And it was almost kind of like a skill I had to relearn. It's like a muscle I didn't practice, you know? So I remember my first few times felt totally uncomfortable, but then I was like, wait a minute, like this is just me being me, like me without a mask. Like I can learn to be comfortable in my own skin. So that's like one of those big beliefs that I had to kind of overturn, you know? And, and it took a lot of personal growth to really build up my confidence and then feel basically like powerful in this new place where like, I don't need a drink to socialize, right? But there was other like more subtle things like obviously a lot of people think alcohol relaxes them, you know, so it's like yeah. you get into work life, you have stressful days and it's like, oh, alcohol is the, you know, glass of wine is what I need at the end of the work day. And obviously like I had that kind of pattern too, only I usually just reserved it for like the weekend, right? So it's like, oh, it's Friday, yes. But um, the funny thing is, is that like alcohol, what I when I learned and when I did all this like growing that I did, alcohol actually doesn't relax the human body physically, like it's a it's a toxin essentially that the body takes a huge toll on to detoxify from like the ethanol that we drink is the same exact ethanol that's found in your gas fuel that's found in like paint thinner you know that's found in your hand sanitizer it takes a lot Yum. on your body to detoxify it but in addition to that alcohol because it's a depressant it actually induces your body to have this counteractive response to it so our bodies actually release cortisol and adrenaline and dynorphin in response to alcohol. So all of those things make you feel really anxious, depressed and low, and just like you're on edge, you know? So like that's often what wakes you up in the middle of the night when you can't sleep after the second half of the night or makes you just feel really high anxiety the next day. Um, so then none of those things actually relax the human body. It just like numbs you for a little bit. So I had to like kind of make make a lot of peace with all of these initial beliefs I had and really change them for myself. But what the cool thing that happened is that like other things that I used to believe, like other limits I had on myself, I, I started using the same process on. So like I never thought I could be an entrepreneur, for example. Like I thought an entrepreneur was this tech genius who lived in Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> and he gets like venture capital money. Like I just, I'm, I'm foreign, like I was shy, like I just never saw myself as an entrepreneur. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, wh where did that belief come from? You know, why is that true? Is that true in all cases? And so I kind of used the same process to start like really pushing my limits in all ways. Um, and I got the confidence to just go for it. The same way I got out of my comfort zone with alcohol, I was like, let's do it again and launch a business. Let's do it again and write a book. And it's kind of this cool training that it like, not only do you get out of your comfort zone when you go alcohol free, you also like are doing something that most people won't do, right? And it, it takes a lot of bravery. Like telling a friend takes bravery. You know, even you being so vulnerable to sharing about like, you know, where you're at with alcohol, it's not a common conversation that we have with people. It's, it's kind of like that elephant in the room. We don't talk about alcohol with people. It is really triggering because of the like narrative around like being an alcoholic because it's like we don't have insight into the spectrum that people are experiencing. Because if you are, maybe you're like totally fine with your alcohol consumption and you have like 
a drink or two every single night. And maybe that's like way too much and it's affecting your interpersonal relationships. And like that's something that I've a conversation that I've had to navigate before too, just in relationships where it's like, I don't, I don't like how you are acting. I don't like your relationship with alcohol and it's actually trickling into ours. So what do you do? And it's like hard to, to say like, you actually just need to stop altogether because you obviously can't handle it. And I think that's so often our response of like, you're being too much with this. You need to cut it out completely. So I'm curious kind of like what you think about that. I think that it's, I take the approach of like whatever you're comfortable with. If you're happy with your relationship with alcohol, great. If if it's not affecting interpersonal relationships or like your other areas of life, great. I think there's a way to check your relationship with alcohol without cutting it out completely. That's my perspective. Obviously, you went a different route, but I think it's from like a healthy place of wanting to be the best you can be and that's your personal choice, but curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I think something you said is really spot on, the word happy, right? Because what we've traditionally been taught to do or, you know, the way we've we've learned about it before is to ask the question, is it a problem? And it's like, is it a problem compared to who? Is it a problem compared to what? Yeah. You know, like most people can drink every weekend or every night and still wake up and do all their responsibilities. So it's like, you know, most people don't drink alcoholically, but they do drink unhealthily. And that's kind of like just the massive consumption levels across the US. So asking a different question, I'm not like, is this a problem or not? Like that's not really gonna get you far. There's someone always who's worse than you in that sense. But is it making me happy? Does this habit truly making me happy? And one thing I love to um, offer people, and this is really from a place of curiosity, is like if you've been living life one way, you almost just have no idea what the other way feels like. So I love to, mm -hmm. to offer people taking a break, not as something they have to do permanently, not as something they have to like commit to for a long time, but sometimes it's like a really cool experiment to see like, okay, I know how I feel when I drink regularly throughout the week or the month or whatever, but let's try it without alcohol and then see kind of apples to oranges and really compare them, you know? Cause that's kind of what happened to me when I did my, my like first dry month is like, I didn't even know how good it would feel because I had been drinking since I was 18, you know? And, and before that yeah. you're like, you're a teenager, your hormones are all over the place. like. The, uh, the mental neurochemicals that alcohol affects are basically our happiness ones. So in addition to those stress hormones I was telling you about, so those go up, but then alcohol also lowers our receptivity to dopamine, serotonin, and GABA. So these are neurotransmitters that are supposed to make us happy. And again, this isn't heavy drinking, this is just regular drinking. So if you take a break from alcohol, what ends up happening is all of your happiness neurotransmitters start to go up and then those stress hormones are also not being released uh, as a frequent level in your body. So I went through this like high, like I was like super happy. I was super giddy. I mean, that's why I called my book and my my whole brand euphoric because that's how it felt for me. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. And it was so far from what I thought it'd be. I thought it'd be deprivation. I thought it'd be embarrassing. I thought it'd be like always saying no to yourself. And yet I found this like, like instead of thinking that a drink at the end of the day was something to look forward to, I started looking forward to like more organic pleasures of my life, like a walk at sunset or a really good belly laugh with my husband or, you know, like these things that like really bring us joy, but I had been kind of ignoring, you know, or just they weren't, um, I was kind of desensitized to them because like the drink was this like big spike. 
And so if anyone's curious about this, I do think like obviously drinking less is a great place to start, but uh, a break could also be sometimes easier because like it's just this one decision you make. You don't have to make a decision every day about it. Um, but you might experience a completely like new way of living and you might like it a lot, right? So it's purely out of curiosity, out of experimentation. Like I know what it feels like to be a drinker. I know what it feels like to have a few beers. I've, I've been there, I've done that. I've done it for years, if not almost decades. So to me, it was this curious questioning, like, well, what would happen? Like, what would I be capable of as a non-drinker? You know, what if I t kept this break going? Like, you know, good things, so many good things started happening to me within just a few months. I was like, what would keep happening to me if I kept this going? And for me, that's really kind of why um, I've obviously prolonged it to the point of it being my new identity. And I can't even believe it. Like I pinched myself today. Like my biggest dreams came true, seriously. Yeah. So um, definitely out of a light of curiosity, positivity. But I think that's the first question to start with is, is it making me happy? And really evaluate it because that question, obviously we do things because we think they bring us pleasure, you know? And so there's that like 20 minute buzz or there's like maybe the sense of belonging mm -hmm. with your friends, like whatever you think you're getting out of it. But then what about the other 48 hours? So it's kind of like really allowing yourself to ask, like, does this make me happy? Um, and that can change over time as well. That's what I was thinking about when you were kind of talking through that, because it's like, yes, it seems like it is making me happy. Like when I'm at a concert and having so much fun, like that's making me happy for sure. And even like the memories that I made from that night, I don't regret them. I'm having a good time. I'm happy that I did that. But one thing that I was thinking more about is just like how much time is devoted to this recovery. Like if I am drinking on the weekends, um, I think I'm like very sensitive in general. I just think everything affects me more. So I think I need less alcohol to be more intoxicated and it just affects me more. I did a poll on my stories like last month asking people if they felt sad, more sad the next day after a night of drinking than not. And the majority of people, and I, that makes sense for the people that I know follow me, but they said, yes, like my mental health and like stability is impacted by drinking. And then there is a decent amount of people that didn't feel that at all. So I thought that was interesting. But I think some of this other stuff that you're mentioning in, in terms of like the chemicals that are responding and how our bodies actually react, maybe we're not attributing some of the other things that we feel throughout the week. And it actually is related to alcohol. So I think a break would be interesting so you can kind of recognize okay, I did feel a little bit less anxious on Monday through Wednesday where normally I'm still trying to like recover because we're getting older and that recovery takes a lot longer. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's like, that's a great point you made about like the story and stuff. And and oftentimes it does take, uh, like I have really great memories from college too. I was totally over drinking, but right, there are great memories. Um, and so what's really cool about when I was writing my book is I had to do a lot of research on it. And so the, the effects of these stress hormones often um, get worse as we get older. Like they, we actually pump out more stress hormones in response to less alcohol as we get older. So that to me was like, ah, there's a reason why it was easy to do this at 18. You know what yeah, I mean? That is really interesting. Thank goodness there's some scientific reason why it's so dang hard these days. And I love that like you're having this conversation because like, Otherwise, you wake up and you're not, you're feeling not mentally like yourself and you're just like, oh God, what's wrong with me, right? Yeah. And like without knowing the science, you, you can blame yourself. You can just feel like really isolated, really alone, like you're the only one going through it. 
Um, and to me, that's why it was a really big but relief to learn like a lot more about alcohol because I was like, oh my God, it's not me. It's not me. It's the drink, you know? Yeah. Well, because it seems so, it can be more far removed than like, okay, I know the next day I'm going to feel bad. But what about the next four or five days? Because in reality, that is what's happening. Like that's carrying through your week. And if you're on that cycle of like only drinking on the weekends, or maybe it's like Bachelor Mondays or whatever it is, you know, that you're really kind of, it just keeps you stagnant instead of being able to like get over this hump and probably get more clarity. I don't know. I assume that you would. I've actually never taken like a full break, but I naturally, I naturally do. Like I go months without drinking anyway. Um, but I think it's just something healthy to check in with yourself on in terms of is that habit serving you? Is the consumption really something you need? Is there goals that you do want to reach that you feel like you're not able to reach them for some reason? Maybe change something up in regards to consumption and see if that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have to say, like, right now I'm doing um, a no TV challenge. So I'm also not watching TV. Oh, my gosh. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. How is that going? It is, it is. It's funny. It's, like, it's so similar because, like, it will be these like moments of time where I'm like, oh, I just want to watch TV right now. Like it's usually right after work, right as I'm like preparing and eating my like meal or dinner uh, and then it passes, you know, so it's like I'm totally fine. But the cool thing is, is that like my brain, I feel like our brains are so good at like creating solutions and like thinking and doing all this stuff for us. And so whatever you put present in front of it is like what your brain will work on. So obviously my brain was working on this like alcohol balance question for so long. But then even with like TV, like, you know, we get warped up in the story or whatever it is, the the show. Um, without it recently, like, and this is true also when I took a break from alcohol, like my brain has been so creative. Like I'm having so many good new ideas, so many good insights, just like, it's on fire and I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> this is amazing. I never expected it really with TV, but that's the same thing that happened with alcohol. It's like, I got this idea to write my book in just like one afternoon and I'd been wanting to write for so long before then and I never did. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like where did this come from? So I think it connects you deeper to your creativity, deeper to your intuition as well and deeper to your courage to just be like, let's go after it. Like, let's not put this on the side and do it another day. Like, let's go for these dreams today. It's not forever. It's just a challenge, I have to say. <laughs> I'd like to challenge myself to do that at some point. I think one thing that was going through my mind is just how both of these things, like TV and alcohol, are oftentimes coping mechanisms. And I feel like a, a theme that has been on the podcast lately is like focusing on your central nervous system and calming that. And I think bringing awareness to that rather than going to these other things that do that temporar temporarily, like you just went through alcohol doesn't actually do that, but it it is relaxing when you're actually like consuming it, just not in the aftermath of that. So I think like that can be hard to give something up when you don't have other tools in place if you are using it as something that like is the only thing that calms you down is like a glass of wine at the end of the day. So I wanted to ask, what's what are some of the common things that you hear from people who are interested, curious about taking a break, but either like afraid to or feel like they can't? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, I think finding like some kind of ritual or after work relaxation, like a lot of women I work with, they're so productive during the day. It's like mm -hmm. busy, busy jobs. Maybe they have kids like they're just running around all day, you know, and it's like finally at like 6 or 7 p.m. They let themselves stop and have a glass of wine or or more and it, mm -hmm. it's like 
it's it's an interesting thing. It's not like ever like we're going to take away your relaxation technique, you know, and you're going to have to use willpower alone to go through these feelings. It's like, let's find something that works a lot better for you, you know, because like you're kind of explaining like our parasympathetic nervous system, our sympathetic nervous system gets like stimulated with all the work and responsibilities we have. And then we want to bring in our parasympathetic nervous system to really calm us down. And unfortunately, like things like alcohol or TV or social media, any of those things that are really um, kind of like passive, they they often actually produce the opposite result. Like people have studied just TV, for example, that TV like stresses people out <laughs> when they're watching it. You know no, I mean? that's so annoying. It's so annoying that these things like make us feel it's such a trick. It's like the ultimate trick. Yeah, right. And so like when I work with women, for example, we try to find new rituals during that time to really actually relax the human body um, or take care of like that emotional feeling. So often an emotional feeling that comes up is boredom. So boredom doesn't sound that bad, right? It's not like depression, it's not like this angry emotion, but it can be really uncomfortable because you're just like, you don't know what to do with yourself. Um, so boredom is often the, the one of the number one things that comes up when you, when you take away the alcohol. And what's really cool about boredom, I think, is that to me, it's an invitation. When I was bored, when I was a kid, I used to like go climb trees and I used to go like make up plays and I used to go write poems like I would I would use that boredom to fuel me to create and do new things and explore new stuff and try new hobbies. And I think we kind of forget that as adults. And so obviously there's things you could do that are in your house in the evening that don't require you to leave the house and could be relaxing like a yin yoga routine or, you know, I like to watch the sunset. Like there's something so magical about honoring like the passage of our natural world, you know, with time, like there's, I just love yeah. that. Um, making like a nice tea or also like a mocktail, like you, you could still decompress with a drink. You just don't put alcohol in it. And like mm -hmm. mocktails have a crazy placebo effect. So it almost feels like the same, like sense of a high you're getting, you're getting a treat, you get to pamper yourself. And there's so many alcohol-free beverages on the market these days. So I definitely recommend if anyone's interested, like explore that. That industry is projected to go to $1.4 trillion in the next four years. Because like upwards yes. of 50% of Americans have now tried and bought one. And they're like, oh, this is really cool. You know, there's all these drinks that make me feel good with the same like kind of similar placebo effect without actually the negative consequences. Um, yeah, I've heard of a few brands. I was just going to ask if you have like a mocktail brand or a recipe that you really like? Like what's your go-to? Yeah, so um, I'm kind of like simple these days. So one of my favorites is Spindrift. And so Spindrift is like yeah. sparkling water mixed with a little bit of fruit puree. Uh, so it has a little hint of sweetness, but it's not like very overpowering and it's a little bit more fun than just sparkling water. But um, some of the new ones that come out, like I like Kin Euphorics, for example, they um, put adaptogens and nootropics in their drinks and they have some that are like daytime blends to like zest you up and then some are like nighttime blends to help calm you and help you go to sleep. Uh, Curious Elixirs is another really good one. They do um, like soft cocktails basically that you can pre-purchase. And there's also non-alcoholic craft beer, like really good and non-alcoholic wine. Mm -hmm. So it's like no matter what your fancy is, you can find something out there. Even if it's just like coconut water, like, oh my God, I just love to have yeah. a nice coconut water at the end of the day. Um, but in addition to like, you know, finding something to help you decompress at the end of the day, this feeling of boredom or what am I going to do? It also kind of calls to you to like, ask yourself like, well, what makes me happy? Like, what am I passionate about? Um, so for example, for me, I had these few months where I just went 
after new experience, after new experience, after new experience. I just put myself out there. I went to like paddleboard yoga classes. I went to Zumba. I went to the museum. I went to writer's workshops. I uh, rode my bike a lot. I hiked in the mountains. Like I just was doing a lot of more stuff, you know? And to me, that was really cool because it like, again, got me out of my comfort zone, out of my house and really helped me discover what really makes me happy. You know, like we knew, we know alcohol does this like artificial, you know, stimulation of the brain, but it's, it's not real. So like what really makes me happy? And I think that's another invitation for anyone who wants to take a break, not only to find how to relax better, but also to like, to really find things like more fun. We think fun is in a beverage and like that can be a really like short-sighted way of looking at it. Like it's, it's just a beverage at the end of the day. What really makes fun for you, you know what I mean? Um, and so that can be a really entertaining and growing phase. I've heard of people take yes seasons or yes years where they're just kind of putting themselves out there and saying yes to the opportunities that come by them, having like more of an open mind. So I like the idea of having, it's just a shake up of your whole routine. So if you're going to stop this thing that maybe is a little daunting to think about cutting out completely, get excited about like all this other stuff that you could do or like break the rules a little bit and spend some money on other things because it's all money. So save your alcohol money and sign up for a paddleboard yoga class or try some other class, like just engage in other things that you're curious about. I love the idea of just taking a curious approach to everything with your relationship in general and then like what you can do with it, without it. It's all about working towards your goals and figuring out what those are because maybe you don't know yeah yeah and you know I didn't know either like I used to work a nine to five I you know I literally couldn't wait for the weekend every week (laughs) like I was just like oh I can't wait till the weekend that then I can like let loose and I didn't realize how much that pattern was playing out this like cycle of unfulfillment and so when I kind of not only got out of my comfort zone was trying all these new things was living life in a new way those like goals that I didn't even know I had like this this deeper yearning to make a bigger impact and launch a business, for example. Um, And then that kind of paved the road for me to leave my job, you know, become a successful entrepreneur. But I would have like that would have never happened if I didn't take that break from alcohol. Um, So it's kind of just crazy to see like how that road really opened for me then. And I've seen it happen time and time again, like my clients, the same thing. They will they'll write books or launch businesses or move. I have a client who quit her job and moved to Europe because that's been her dream ever since she was younger and she just didn't ever allow herself permission to really do it. So it's so cool when you when you really when you really are open in that kind of way like what new things can come out of it. Yeah, and what you can make happen for yourself. I think it's whether this conversation inspires anyone to like actually stop completely, but really like I just want people to question it because it's something that we are just like, yep, you're 21 now, so this is the lifestyle. Welcome to the party. But there's more to it than that. So I love your perspective, and I think like the research that you've done and what you've contributed to the conversation is helping so many people. So would love to hear where we can connect with you, all about your book, and what's coming up for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So a lot of what I shared today uh, and more can be found in my new book, Euphoric Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And it's really written for like the normal, casual, social drinker. So many books and so much, uh, so many programs out there are really talking to the heavy addicted type of personality. And what that's great, right? Obviously we need that, those are amazing programs, 
but we kind of miss the opportunity to talk about alcohol for everyone else, you know? And I really think that's a missed opportunity because I know how I alone I felt, how isolated I felt that like somehow I was the only one worrying about this, you know, and that must mean that I'm, I'm in that like last crowd. And so my book yeah. is not even found in the psychology addiction section. It's found in the healthy living section as it should be because that's really what it's about. And so this book will help show you why you should take a break from alcohol. So it goes into all of the benefits from your health, your me mental state, and your soul. Um, and in mental state, I like what I mean by that. Not only are those neurotransmitters rebalancing, but you're also like really building your self-esteem. You're showing up for yourself every day. And so when the past version of you like does something to look out for the future version of you, like you wake up feeling amazing, the future version of you actually then feels loved by the past version of you, you know? Like when I woke up with a hangover, it was like, oh great, like she didn't care about me. She wasn't thinking about me. Yeah. So it kind of really builds this self-love for yourself as well and your self-worth and your sense of like what you deserve. Um, with your soul, like it really builds like your sense of presence, your connections with people, your sense of gratitude, your sense of appreciation. So it's kind of all the like laying out like the why. And then the last part is the how. So I break it down into an eight week uh, guide that someone can follow along with to take a break from alcohol. And they'll have kind of the personal growth ex exercises to go through each week and focus on, but also all the other little stuff that comes up like socializing and, and well, how do you talk about this with your partner? And just like, what drinks should I have? Just really giving someone a roadmap through it. So it is available for pre-order right now. You can find it at euphoricbook.com. And when you pre-order the book, you'll also get a ton of bonuses. So like I said, boredom is like one of those number one things people fear. So we made a, a checklist of 50 things to do instead of drinking um, checklist. We have mocktail recipe ebook. We have some training on changing your thoughts about alcohol too, to like start to see it differently. Cause I think that's really the key on anything is once you start seeing something differently, like you're able to change your behavior. Kind of doing it the other mm -hmm. way around is often really hard. You, you wanna change your behavior, but you still see something as very valuable or, or beneficial or something. Um, so yeah, that's where the book is, euphoricbook.com. And if anyone's interested in just connecting with me, um, looking into like a course or coaching with me, I can be found at euphoricaf.com. And then I'm on Instagram at euphoric.af. is it for this week's episode everyone i hope it gave you something to think about and encouraged you to reflect on your relationship with alcohol whether you decide to make a change or not i think it's just a great check-in point it's one of those things that we should probably be evaluating and reflecting on throughout our lives just to see who's really in control there because it's definitely a substance that can take over or we can very easily have habits around alcohol that we are not super happy with and um, if we think about it, maybe we can make a change with that. So that's my intention with this episode. I really hope you liked it. Come follow me at the Tea Please podcast. Leave a review. Follow so you don't miss an episode. And I will talk to you guys in the next one.